We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the past four days, Georgia recruiting goes four for four. The Great Wall of Georgia has now been fully assembled. On three, just dropped some new uh, rankings. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. SEC Media Day, folks, have been uh, is next week. Georgia already has their list of folks. We'll talk about that. All of this and more on the DGD podcast. Welcome in, folks, for those listening and watching. I'm Robert Reynolds, Kobe Pierce. How you doing, Kobe? Doing good, brother. Doing good. Doing good. Pretty good. Nah, so obviously. Voice is a little cracky today. I don't know why. A little bit. Oh, get you some water. I think getting some water will help out there. Uh, We got a loaded show for you today, folks. No, listen. When you're talking four recruits in four days, you best be understanding of the fact that where there's a lot to talk about. So got the water on deck. Um, let's jump right in. First things first, way to start your Monday off with a Patios coffee, folks. I uh, actually had mine this morning as well. Make sure to go to dgdpodcast.com forward slash Apotheos. View their selection. Learn more about Apotheos as well. Do keep in mind they are the official coffee and cold brew partners of the classic city collective so whenever you go to our website dgdpodcast.com forward slash apotheos and you use the link to shop their selection and you buy coffee every single bag of coffee or k-cups might i add 20 percent of the proceeds apotheos will send to the collective regardless the blend so keep that in mind also give them a follow at apotheos roastery on instagram and on twitter at apotheos coffee uh, thanks, Apotheos, for sponsoring the show and starting my morning off right every single day. Kobe, we're going to get just straight into this. Four recruits in four days. I don't know if I've seen anything close to this uh, from a Georgia recruiting standpoint uh, in regards to the sheer four for four type situation. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it just really kind of set the precedence for July. You know, we, we kind of sat here and talked about in June that we kind of had a, I won't say a slow June. That wouldn't be the words, the correct words, but, you know, it was a quiet June. How about that? That's, that's a better way to put it. Um, 
But really, well, it's an understatement. Really, fall, you know, really brought July in with a bang. I mean, got four recruits, um, some big, big time guys, um, some guys that that you know, at the end of the day, like they're game changers for your offensive line down the road because you just can't teach size. You can't teach how to be six seven. Can't teach how to be six eight. Can't teach how to be three hundred and forty pounds. You may can help somebody eat to get there, but it's just not an easy weight for people to be able to carry around. Um, you know, there's some guys that we've we've all been very excited about. There's some guys on here that some dog fans, you know, easily you may have given up on a couple months ago. Um, you know, I'm excited to kind of dive in and talk about each one of these guys and kind of what it means for the program. Absolutely. I mean, first off, listen, so you have Michael Ewing ending off Georgia's recruiting in June, right? Committing on June 30th, the last day of June. But then July 5th, we'll start off with Daniel Calhoun. Daniel fifth makes, uh, Daniel Calhoun announces that he is committing to Georgia on July 5th. Uh, and it starts the four for four, right? This ain't Wendy's folks. This is Georgia recruiting four for four. So Daniel Calhoun, you know, commits to Georgia and, you know, it's just one of these things where <clears throat> to me, I felt like he was the must have offensive lineman in this class. Right. And, and the reason why I say that is because it's the, the premier or premier, excuse me, in-state guy. Right. But you, what you're getting from Calhoun, you're getting six, six, three, sixty five, massive, absolutely massive. Um, you know, listen, he might he might not be the the best. We'll we'll just, we'll talk about that a little bit, but you're getting a road grader. Uh, I know he plays at, uh, at Walton, plays tackle out there. Um, you know, listen, when you're six six and you're playing guys that are maybe what six one six two, you know, there's always going to be questions about pad level, right? Just just from a sense of having to get down so low. Uh, but I think when as you move to the next level, right? I, I'm excited because I just feel like. You know, he can plug in and play at guard, right? Being at 365, I feel he has to lose a little bit of weight to play tackle at Georgia. But what what are your observations from, from Calhoun, and what does he bring into Georgia, Kobe? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to have to lose some weight. That's part of it. You know, body transformation something like we've seen, you know, everybody goes through at the Division One level. Um, you know, Walton's a good school, but you just don't know where you're getting a lot of these guys from. Um you know, what kind of strength and conditioning program they've had, what kind of running regimen they've had, you know, what kind of conditioning tests their coach makes them pass to be able to play. And then on top of that, like, if you are a guy at a small school, you're really going to sit sit out your star offensive lineman because he can't pass conditioning test. You know, that that's not a, a luxury you may or may not have. Um, but, you know, he's probably going to have to be three – 25, 330. Um, when I think back, there just haven't been a ton of 330 offensive linemen that have played here. I mean, you know, Ben Cleveland and Isaiah Wilson are pretty much the ones I can think of off the top of my head that were kind of allowed to float at that 335, 340 area. Um, a lot of the other guys, you know, playing tackle are going to be, you know, need you to be about 310, 315. Need you be able to move? You know, there's some fast guys off the off the edge. So, um, you know, maybe if you get lucky coming at guard, I don't know what Truss Truss's official weight is, but I know he's like six six. He would be 
very similar to what like I would project Calhoun to play at. Um, Xavier Truss, you know, about that same size. Also, kind of feeling like Calhoun might play some guard. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think that we both feel that there's a much bigger opening inside at guard than there may be early on at tackle for sure. Yeah, you I, I just think like an inside out kind of thing. Play guard as a sophomore, play tackle as a junior kind of thing. Yeah, however, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Coach Searles has got their plan to, for development and everything, and and the three to four year plan I think will be in full full swing there. Listen, I think before we continue though, right? Like you'll see a common trend in these four guys. Well, three of them for sure. Um, but when you look at it, right? It's yeah. I, I just know George is looking at it this way. You take massive individuals and take and trim weight off. It's just easier to trim weight off than it is to put weight on. Uh, so you'll see the the common trend here. Um, I, I I think you can see him play in guard. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think you see him play guard, and there's nothing wrong with that. You, if you in a pinch, I think you can see him play out and tack on the outside tackles or whatever. Uh, definitely to start, I'm with you, Kobe. I think you see him go uh, and play guard. Right? It's, it's it's easier to play guard as well. You can hide these things rather than on tackle spots. You can't necessarily hide deficiencies. Um, so it's not no 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 discredit or anything. It's just we'll see what happens. But I think right now you'll look at him as starting off probably guard. Um, <clears throat> now we move away from the offensive line to the defensive side of the ball. And what originally was supposed to be a July 12th commitment gets pushed up to July 6th. And the Nigerian nightmare, Joseph Jonah Ajonye from Conroe, Texas, commits to Georgia uh, on that, or July 6th that night. Uh, shut up, Brooks Austin. And, you know, I was extremely excited to get um, Ajonye in this class. Uh, the fact that he's kind of still raw, right? Being on that he's played, I think like three years now. Um, you went and just some fun facts from uh, Brooks Austin's, you know, the commitment and everything. You found out gains a, basically a hundred pounds, right? Since his freshman sophomore year, whatever. That's incredible, right? But you're also adding another Nigerian uh, commit in this class. Um, it's just something about these guys. You're starting to see Uzo have a huge – Coach Uzo Dariba have a huge part in this, uh, getting these guys because you have, uh, excuse me, Namdi Agboko as well that's also Nigerian, and you're in the hunt for uh, the number one overall uh, prospect, according to on three, Williams Waniri, uh, which is also Nigerian. Uh, Kobe smiling. But when you when you take a look at it, though, what I liked about uh, Ajonye – Right. Not only does he have a five star teammate that we'll talk about potentially, um, but also I think you look at what he brings to the team. And, and first off, you have to bring his he brings motor right, and a relentless one at that. And, when, you know, it's one of these things where, at you know, 270, 280, you know, what he wanted to play at Georgia is 280. Um, you know, that's having that kind of motor is is crucial. You have to do that to play at Georgia. Um, but when you look outside of that right there, also he's long, 84, 85-inch wingspan, massive wingspan, right? Again, it's starting to see these molds, these prototypical molds that Georgia recruiting is starting to piece together with, rather be the defensive line, the offensive line. Kobe, what what are your thoughts on Ajonye and what he brings to Georgia? 
Yeah, I'm I'm gonna make a little bit of a comparison, kind of throwback for for some people, not too far, but somebody I play with, um, Tyler Clark out of America's Georgia. Tyler, um, you know, Tyler played defensive line, didn't play it a ton growing up, but just was very similar. Um, you know, high motor guy, high intensity, a lot of lot of love for the game, a lot of run to the ball, speed. Um, you know, kind of came in as a very raw defensive lineman from Americas. Probably didn't get, you know, the best, like, fundamentals from from there. Comes in, really works on that. And and really young in his freshman, sophomore, he is that high-intensity player who's making those flash plays. He's swimming a guard for a loss. He's, you know, beat, shedding a double team, diving, making a tackle for a loss. Not making maybe the consistent plays early on in his career, but definitely flashing some some speed, some athleticism, some length, um, stuff like that. And then as he progressed with Coach Scott, you know, then he he's he's really you know taking up two blocks at a time, or you know taking advantage of when he's one on one blocked. Um, that's kind of how I see a Jonier at least early on in his career. I can see him being a, a super flashy young player. Um, you know, anytime you play with a lot of high intensity, a lot of want to, a lot of drive, you're rewarded in Kirby Smart's defense. The thing is, though, um, you have to play within yourself and within the defense. That'll be the only thing, you know, obviously everybody has to learn is those flash plays are great, but you can't miss and cost the defense because you swam the guard and the run was away from you. And now that guard, because he you swam him, gets up to the linebacker and they run for 15 yards. That that's, you know, knowing what piece of the machine you are. Um so that that's kind of where I see him. I mean, obviously great to have him. Like you said, he's only been playing for 3 4 years. I, I think people don't realize how how crazy that can be. Um but it, it it'll be a good, I mean, big bodies are, are hard to come by that are good athletes. I mean, we take risk on big bodies all the time and hope they develop. This is the kind of guy that's well on his way to developing. And when Trey Scott gets his hand on him, like he'll develop just that quicker. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, yeah, Trey Scott is it's at the point. We're at the point now with Trey Scott, just you you bank on if he wants him and he comes in this class, you you trust it. All right, I think that's what we've seen uh, under Trey Scott so far. Um, <clears throat> but at the same time, when we, you know, we look at it, right, you have Joseph John Ajonye uh, at well, six, I think he's 6'4". Um, yeah, 6'4", 275, right? Uh, and then literally the next day, uh, July 7th, Nair Daniels, the biggest of the group, uh, commits to Georgia as well. And that one, that man is a massive human being, <laughs> massive human being. Uh, six, eight, three, seventy-one. Right. Again, you see the trend, massive individuals, absolutely massive. I'd hate um, to be a pair of his shoes. That and I'd hate to be lined up against him, but <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, you know, so obviously he, you know, day three, Three commits to Georgia. Now you're Daniel six eight three seventy one. And yeah, I think you see a projection here. I think you have to play guard at the next level if you're if you're not here. Um, well, Kobe might be 
critiquing me, uh, my take there. Depends, right? It depends on the weight that gets trimmed off and what it looks like. What's the projection? Um, you know, look at it. I definitely feel that Nair is definitely more of a road grader, right? Um, not necessarily a good thing to lean on people, but when you're 371 pounds, like if as long as you keep your feet moving and you lean on people for four quarters, I'm okay with that. Definitely want to play with you know the right technique and things like that. But you know if you if you lean if you lean on somebody from a couple plays, right, that's going to wear them out too, right? We've seen it over the past. Uh, Kobe, what are your observations on Nair? What does he bring to Georgia as well? Yeah, um, you know the guard thing. It's just crazy to think about. I guess like six eight being in the guard. Not saying it won't happen. Not saying it couldn't happen. Um, you know, Nair to me is one of those guys that because of his weight, depending on how he plays his senior year, how he controls his weight, what he comes in at in December, if he early enrolls, I don't even know if he's eligible to early enroll. But when he comes in, whether January or May, whatever, um, you know, you're always at risk being in that 375 range of being a red shirt guy because – we just got to get all that bad weight off of you, and then we really got to get some good weight back on you. Um, you know, he's a big guy, big frame, so he's going to carry that weight fairly well. Um, he may be one of those guys, kind of like we were talking about, Ben Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson, um, that, that they're going to let carry 340, 335, 340. Um, so you're, you're only talking about 30, 35 pounds, but you just really are – you need to – you need to take the time and mold him into the player he's going to be when he's 22 and done growing and, you know, fully mature. You don't need to run him out there still kind of, you know, fat bodied and, and expect him to play well consistently. Um, yeah. we've, done, we've done that with a ton of guys. I mean, you've had a lot of guys come in. It's just a part of it at offensive line, at defensive line, come in a little overweight. You got to cut with Coach Sinclair. But then also while you're cutting with Coach Sinclair, he's also putting muscle back. Um, but I think he's going to be a good player. I mean, 6'8", like we've talked about. Can't teach somebody to be 6'8". Um, you know, kind of reminds me of they're just good guys to take a chance on. And he's not really taking a chance. I mean, he's a top 300 player. You know, when, when we think about taking chances, I think of like Jacob Hood, who's a three-star guy who's kind of low down the list on a lot of people's rankings, who's 6'8". That's taking a chance on size. A guy that's a top 150 player, I think. And he's like just barely top 150 player, I think. Uh, Nair is apparently 146. Okay. So so right there, that's really not a like a he may be good one day. That's a like we actually think he could be – you know, pop, an all-conference player for the University of Georgia. So, definitely think that, like, obviously, with the biggest one of the bunch. But then you look at four for four, but Marcus Easley releases a top three that doesn't have Georgia in there, right? So Georgia comes away with a with a fourth commitment <clears throat> over the likes of Tennessee and Alabama and Oklahoma. For Marquise Easley. <clears throat> Marquise Easley is my most intriguing offensive lineman in this class. Um, the fact that he's 6'6, six, six, or 6'7, six, excuse me, 6'7, 345, and can just absolutely 
just move. And I mean move. With the 85-inch arm span, it, it's just absolutely insane. Um, the way he just he, he runs so effortlessly kind of gets you that feel like it's Broderick-esque. I'm not saying he will just yet, but you get what I mean. Just uber-athletic, projects to me and is 100% a tackle, 100%. Especially if you get him down into the 310, 320 range, I would expect him to play a tackle effortlessly. Um Kobe, what are your thoughts on that? Sorry. Um, uh -oh. Yeah. Uh, for easily, you know, again, I, I keep harping on, you know, six, seven, three forty-five, more of a frame that's holding that weight well. You know, he, he could be a guy, I'm not sure. Obviously, they're going to change it up. But he's a guy that, that does project to be in a tackle. Um, you know, long arms, long body. It's the kind of body in the SEC that you need. And to me, his big thing is, or like my big thing in his recruitment is you really took him away from people. Same thing with Daniel Calhoun. You took him away from people that wanted him in the SEC. You know, Nair Daniels was was wanted by some people. But kind of his top, what was his top, Rutgers and FSU and us. And don't I remember that right. And was Texas, three, I think. Over. I think Texas was in as well yeah something like that so you know like you're talking about it always feels better when a recruit kind of has similar schools in their top three and they still pick you i guess you know for for rutgers and florida state and even texas like they just aren't on our caliber of level yet like obviously texas is poised to have a pretty good year in their last year in the big 12 um florida state if they can make it through the first like Five weeks of the season, five and zero, oh, they're poised to have an unbelievable run at the ACC and possibly a college football playoff. But it, I mean, comparing those two to us, why wouldn't you want to play offensive line here versus like Easley and even Calhoun? They have Alabama in their final. You know, Easley has Oklahoma. He has Tennessee. I mean, these are guys. Those are teams that have put top level talent in the NFL at tackle too. Tennessee has a first round tackle this year Alabama had a first round tackle last year Oklahoma's had some good tackles I mean so that is a like people don't realize like that is four very comparable like offensive line schools to one another and to kind of get the edge with coach Searles on two guys that we wanted and to win both of those battles just feels good I think it speaks volumes for coach Searles and how he's recruiting at this time you know, I think a lot of people kind of had some question marks when we hired him when they kind of stopped and looked through a viewing glass of like, oh, at UNC, he wasn't getting people. And at UNC, they like led the nation in sacks. And when he was at Georgia or and UNC, like he's only ever signed one five-star offensive tackle or something, you know, everybody was talking about. He's kind of dropped the bag on everybody this year and gone, you know, we got the six guys we want. And, and, you know, there's really nothing anybody can do about it at the moment. Yeah, I think, it, you know, when you, when you take those three offensive linemen and then you pair them with what was already there, right, we talk about this great wall of Georgia, and it's just, it's just unfathomable. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of break we'll, – if we've got a graphic here, we're going to pull this up and just kind of explain to you the – 
the size and just what Georgia has in this class alone. <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, excuse me. So as you see here, Marcus Easley, 6'5", 345. You've got Daniel Calhoun at 6'6", uh, 365. Michael Uini at 6'7", 335. Marcus Harrison, 6'8", three, uh, 335. Nair Daniel, 6'8", 371. Malachi Tolliver being the smallest one at a 6'5", 315. First off, that's just insane. Big people move small people. And this is why you get the the guys that you get. I mean, just overall looking at that, it's it's just insane. I, I I don't even know how to explain it, but that's that's just insane. What do you have to say about that, Kobe? I just got the alert about um, Westfall committing. Oh yeah, he commits to Florida. I didn't realize he, how big he was. Like six nine or something, wasn't six, it? Six eight, six eight, three thirty is what they have him. Damn, big fella. Um, yeah, I mean, you look at that Great Wall of Georgia, and it reminds you, it reminds me of the Sam Pittman era. That we are going to have some big ass dudes moving smaller men, and at some point, you know that that's kind of the staple of when Sam Pittman was here, when he was, you know, at Arkansas as just the offensive line coach. You know, everywhere he's been, the staple has been that he is getting big men that he can turn into good offensive linemen. And yep. and it kind of feels like Stacey Searles has taken a very similar approach. I'm not sure. I'm not as familiar with Coach Searles previously or even at UNC. But it feels like now he is looking for big men that he can teach how to be good offensive linemen. And that's a much better thing than sometimes – and that's the hard thing, I think, about playing offensive line, you can be a good offensive lineman, but if you're not big, it doesn't matter at some point. I mean, I hate to say it doesn't matter because it does. There are guys that make it as undersized fellows, but you got to realize these undersized linemen we're talking about are like 6'2", 6'3", and they consider those guys, you know, 6'4", and they consider those guys undersized. Um, But it, it, it's impressive. I think it's impressive that you're going to keep right now from what we've heard all six of them. I think that was something that me and you and, and kind of, you know, the ears behind the scene thought that you may not go six, yeah. six that you may, you may lose a guy here or there along life's way, but right now it's kind of sounding like that everybody's along for the long haul. And so, you know, Quality depth makes a quality team. A quality scout team makes a quality defense. A quality scout team makes quality offense. It's just how it works. And that's kind of where you cut your teeth as a freshman. And what better than have a bunch of these freshmen come in, run the scout team for a year possibly, you know, and then that just makes your defense that much better. We've all heard about a ton of really, really good Georgia Bulldogs cutting their teeth on Kirby Smart scout team for a year and how impressive and how eye-catching they can be. You know, you let you let somebody like Nair Daniels go down there um, and, and impress. It, one of the most that, – that reminds me. One of the single most impressive things I ever saw at, um, while I was at Georgia, Isaiah Wilson, like first month of being at Georgia, he he's out of shape – can't run, not used to the humidity and the heat. 
But makes it through one day. We get to seven on seven. We're doing one on one pass rush. Lorenzo Carter versus Isaiah Wilson. I mean, this is like cream of the crop versus freshman five star tackle. And, you know, no pads, no nothing. And Isaiah kick sets one time, and Lorenzo goes to use a speed move. And Isaiah turns his hips, and with just like the palm of his left hand, hits Lorenzo like under the swimming arm in his ribs and knocks him up and off of his feet flat onto his back in front of all of us. I mean, just with one one left-handed punch to the ribs. I mean, those are the kind of things. I mean, Sam Pittman's there, Trey Scott's there, Kirby Smart. We've all just watched this man do this. He can't run 10 sprints, but he just knocked Lorenzo Carter off of his feet with one hand. Um, it's ridiculous. It's one of those things that that's, that's where you make a name for yourself. Right there, everybody standing there was like, Isaiah Wilson is going to be a good player for us one day. If we can get him where he can run and breathe and and run plays, he's going to be a good player. That's what you look at all these guys. You know, we love to hype up freshman offensive linemen, freshmen in general. Get there, prove a little something-something, you just never know. I mean, all these guys could be good players for you one day. I think, like you said, though, Matt, like just looking at just sheer size – is the interesting part there. <clears throat> I mean, like you said, we started off with the Great Wall of Georgia. You slim them down, right? Georgia runs like no one else. So you sit there, you run them, they'll slim down, maintain the weight as well, right? Like you, you got to be careful when you get someone, I feel like with that that big, you have to definitely monitor things. But at the same time, you lose the weight, you sit there and just go from there and you just develop them, right? You just develop them. All of them have the, I think, great skill sets to succeed at the next level. You look at, you pair that with what Georgia is losing after this cycle. Uh, you know, you need that, right? You need to get that, uh, the the jam back full of uh, tackles and guards and everything else. You need all these bodies. So it's a good thing you see Georgia taking six. Uh, quick question as we move into the 25 cycle, though. Do you think this impacts, from a numbers perspective, how many Georgia takes in 2025? No, because the way I look at it, you're going to lose four of your five starting offensive linemen off the jump. So there's four of them gone immediately. Um, And then at that point, there's always going to be a couple guys that are going to fall to the wayside of the portal that they're going to be. I've done three or four years here. I really haven't started. I really haven't played a lot. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of look elsewhere to play, um, especially with only a year or two of eligibility left. I'm, you know, I've gambled on myself. I've enjoyed my time here. I'm going to look elsewhere. You know, a good friend of mine, Chad Lindbergh, he, you know, he's coming up on, I think Chad was a freshman in 2020. So he's been here 2020, doesn't count, redshirt 2021. 2022, 2023. So I've used two years of eligibility in four years. So he would be a grad transfer with two years left. You know, there are a couple guys floating around like him that have been here um, that I could see you losing either as soon as the season ends in that like period of the portal or after maybe like they get talked into coming and like staying for spring depth because some promises get made. But then after they kind of realize how the spring's shaking out, yep, 
you go on, um, you go on and move on. I think you you easily could take six offensive linemen this year, um, and then at that point, I think you you're still going to take probably four. I would say a normal year of offensive linemen though is like four or five, four. I mean, I don't think you change that a lot at this point. I mean, I, I do think. I mean, there's listen. I think 25 cycle is absolutely loaded with offensive line play, uh, with excellent depth, right? like top to bottom. I feel like it's better than this cycle, but you still in this class got a lot of good bodies, right? Um, I'm extremely excited for all six of them, especially you know with the anticipation that they stick around as well. I think that matters. Um, I see Israel in the in the brigade saying, "What's up, guys?" Uh, doing well, man. Doing well. Um, but anyways, I, as we transition from what the current recruit is, uh, on three, uh, released some interesting situations. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Um, looks like, so you got Ellis Robinson at three, and then Raiola at 11. Kind of is surprising to me. Uh, listen, at the end of the day, I, I just think that he's an excellent player and it won't necessarily matter. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the overall situation. Uh, you know, listen, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of rankings or whatever. I prefer, um, you know, I just prefer these guys doing what they have to do. But that's just me. Um, what are your here's, thoughts on the on three the ranking? Thing. Here's the key thing, and I saw a tweet about it earlier. Two months ago, eight weeks ago, on three released the top ten. And Dylan Stewart was number one. And now, today, eight weeks later, they released a top ten again. And Dylan, Dylan Stewart's number ten. What, what what did he do? What did – you know, I'm Dylan Stewart. I'm calling director recruiting on three. What did I do? I haven't I, – we haven't played a snap of football. What, what have y'all evaluated me? to say that I went from being the number one player in the country to the number 10 player in the country. You know, based off what exactly? Um, you know, it, it it comes and goes. You know, it's the same reason why Kirby and them have their own, you know, we have a whole crew, the whole dog pound. Does nothing but sit there and cut up tape, help evaluate talent, and and kind of see who we like and who we don't like and who we think can play and who we think can't play. At the end of the day, we don't care about what you're ranked, what your stars are, what class we finish with. We want to win. And and that's what Kirby tell you. That's what he'd tell these recruits. He'd tell you, I don't care. Dylan Rayola is the last quarterback ranked on the board. If he comes in and he helps us win, it's just like Stetson Bennett. It's just like, I mean, you can sit here – Eric Stokes was a three-star cornerback, first-round draft pick. Jordan Davis, three-star defensive lineman, first-round draft pick. Stetson Bennett, two-star Juco, you know, walk-on, ends up being a fourth-round draft pick, you know, signs a couple million-dollar deal, two-time national champion. I mean, you can just go on and on, I guess, of like Tay Crowder. When Kirby got here, he was a two-star running back that they converted into a linebacker. Yeah, he's Mr. Irrelevant. He barely gets drafted. He was an NFL starting linebacker for a couple years for the Giants. Now he's floating around. He's in Pittsburgh. I mean, these are guys that, you know, even now, um, A.D. Mitchell, who's at Texas, he was a three-star, some four-star here and there. You know, 
I just guess at some point it doesn't matter what you come in with, how many stars you come in with. It, it matters what you do. I think a perfect example of that is like we were joking the other day. If you look at Ohio State's class, I think it was like two or three years ago, they signed like six five-star defensive players or something like that that just really haven't panned out so far. I mean, you're always you have that star ranking doesn't mean you pan out. No, you're always taking a gamble on any any kid, really. I mean, you know, let me think about this. There's a kid. I don't know if you remember this, but Corey Foreman goes to USC. When was the last time you heard that name? To be fair for Corey, he has been hurt. I think he missed a whole season with an injury. But I do agree. I mean, it just is. It's just hard. I mean. I think you'll hear more about him this year. It's also hard that he plays in such a horrendous, like, overall defense. But, I, I mean, I agree. There are names like that that you can, you can, you know, find that he was a number of, what, like two recruit, one recruit, like really good recruit that we wanted. Goes out to USC and, you know, kind of gets lost in that fold. See, we got Mike Free in the building from Pearl Harbor. Aloha. Aloha, Mike. I got a buddy that lives out in Hawaii, Mike. Um, I do like on three tweeted recently, biggest risers in the class of 2024 um, in the rankings. Marcus Harrison, the offensive tackle for Georgia, from not ranked to the 201st overall recruit. Um, that's a pretty big, pretty big jump for him. Um, and that then, is massive. That is massive. There's one. There's a couple other ones that are pretty impressive, too. Bryce Kane, wide receiver for Auburn, went from unranked to 187. Ethan Grunkmeyer, quarterback for Penn State, not ranked to 176. Elijah Moore, the other Elijah Moore, um, wide receiver committed to Florida State from not ranked to 108. And then a little bit of bag money, a little dirty oil money. Texas A&M quarterback, Miles O'Neal, from not ranked to 58. God almighty. Uh, I mean, listen, these this is just proof that the recruiting services, they can't get to everybody, folks. They just can't. They can't evaluate. They go off of what the, the coaching staffs across the country are evaluating, right? If, if, for instance, if Kirby Smart – and, and Georgia decides to offer you, and Alabama decides to offer you, the LSU offer you, Ohio State, all these – if they do that, more than likely you're going you gonna to see your bump, all right? It's just what's going to happen. Just going to leave that there. And as you can see right there, right, like if, if it's a committable offer and, like, for instance, Marcus' situation, Georgia pop – you know, you pop a Georgia offer and commit, more than likely you're going to see yourself raising up because – Apparently, they'll have to go back and be like, what did we miss? Right? Just going to leave that there. Uh, Kobe, before we wrap up, I do want to shout out um, our second sponsor, uh, Alumni Hall, folks. Um, just check out their social media accounts. They got the new F, uh, the FV jerseys, which those things look absolutely clean, by the way. Um, check them out. DGDpodcast.com forward slash Alumni Hall. Um, mention the DGD podcast in stores and get 10% off your order. Uh, follow them on social media at Alumni Hall UGA. That's both Instagram and Twitter. Um, listen, 
licensed Nike, Cutter and Buck, you name it, whatever, whatever you're looking for, licensed Georgia Bulldogs apparel, accessories, they've got it. Go check them out. Uh, if you're if you want to go to the store, there's 1791 Oconee Connector, number 535 down in Athens, GA, about 10 minutes away from campus, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from the field. Uh, shout out to Alumni Hall for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Alumni Hall. Any final words, Kobe, for today? Got a shout out. Um, this is going to – don't listen, Pat. Turn away. And I have to shout out a little Florida Gator on the show today. Hurston Waldrop got drafted last night um, in the first round of the MLB draft by the Atlanta Braves. Hurston and my brother, Eli, pretty good friends um, from Thomasville, Georgia. I went to school with his brother for a long time. You know, um, happy to see him have some success. You know, went to Southern Miss out of school, out of high school, transferred to Florida for his junior year, and now first round pick for the hometown Braves. So excited to see um, kind of where his journey begins and takes him to with them so be the only go. good piece of gator news for the day i'm, I'm gonna change that to a braves news how about that let's leave it to braves news for this show I take um there we go uh listen georgia recruiting just had a massive four-day span four recruits all of them big guys we're not done though folks we're not done yet okay we're not done yet so keep that in mind I'm just going to leave that there. Keep that in mind. Some big names could be coming off the board soon. So just, again, stay tuned with us here. SEC Media Days next week. That'll be interesting to see how these things shake up. Um, also, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the three the, uh, three Georgia players was it Kamari Lassiter, Brock Bowers, and Cedric Van Pran going with Coach Kirby Smart down there. Uh, or excuse me, up there to Nashville, right, um, for SEC Media Days. Um, so well, it'd be interesting to see how things shake up there. Uh, you know, I'm just I'm I'm nervous about it, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it sounds crazy, but a little bit nervous about what kind of questions you'll see, right? Just what's going to happen there. But um, other they're than gonna, that, they're going to take their shots. That's for sure. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, other than that, folks, I think that's all we've got for today. Uh, tune in Wednesday, uh, talk a little bit more and hope everyone has a great day. Kobe, are you going to have a good day, sir? I am going to have a good day. If anybody would like a good laugh on Twitter, um, Footballville, the podcast, I think, um, you, have you ever heard of it? I feel like I've heard of it. I haven't listened to it, yeah. but I have heard of it. Yeah. They, um, they interviewed, uh, Marco Wilson. And one of the leading questions is, if you had to go back and do it again, would you still throw the shoe against LSU? And his response was, 100%, I would probably throw it even farther. Love that. Take it take it as you will. I digress, and I'll, I stand. I'll leave it there. All right, folks, with that being said, make sure to tune in Wednesday. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, watching wherever you find it, uh, Listen, like, subscribe, right? Follow us. Uh, if you're listening on podcasts, leave a review, right? Leave a review. Let us know if there's something you want to hear. If we're doing something wrong, we can't fix it if you don't let us know. And that's what the reviews are good for, right? Ideally, five stars, right? It's what George is accustomed to, what we would like to see. But hey, be honest with us. Uh, definitely can't get better if you if you're not being honest. But with that being said, have a great day. 
and we will see y'all Wednesday. Go dogs. Go dogs. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.